Welcome into the DNVR Broncos podcast. And before we get started, a quick shout out to Bojo's. It's the original Colorado Mountain Pie. And right now, if you head to Bojo's, literally right now as we're speaking, and other times too. But right now, especially, if you head to Bojo's and mention DNVR, they're going to hook you up with a free honey cheese bread. I had the honey cheese bread, finally. And it will blow your mind. It's honestly incredible. So make sure you go check out Bojo's. Get yourself a Colorado Mountain Pie and... Get yourself a free honey cheese bread when you mention DNVR. Broncos country is sitting in the south stands, drinking the curds from mile high, the best part of the weekend. Hugging a perfect stranger, cause they become a friend. DNVR Broncos podcast presented by Strava Craft Coffee. Make sure you use the code DNVR20 when you get that rich, tasty CBD infused coffee and you'll get yourself 20% off. Well, Mace, uh, nothing to talk about today. No. Another quiet day in Broncos country. It was a mellow afternoon and uh, was just sitting there doing some research as uh, as I was Enjoying the day, enjoying the beautiful Denver weather. Oh, wait. A trade. Yeah. (laughs) A nice little trade. You know, there's a little lull here between the combine and free agency. And John Elway, nice little smoothing of the lull for us, makes a nice big splash yesterday as the Broncos trade for A.J. Boye from the Jacksonville Jaguars, a cornerback who the Broncos only needed to give up a fourth-round pick for. And remember, this is a fourth-round pick that came in the trade for Emmanuel Sanders. So this is, in my opinion, a great, great trade for the Broncos. Well, effectively, the Emmanuel Sanders trade is now the Broncos getting a third-round pick in A.J. Boye and the Niners getting a fifth-round pick in Emmanuel Sanders who didn't want to be with the Broncos anyway. So in that regard, in terms of value, the Broncos have done well. You hope this deal works out better than the last time the Broncos gave up a fourth-round pick for a veteran player who whose form the last couple of years had not been what it was before. Because, of course, this is the sort of deal the Broncos made last year with the Ravens to get Joe Flacco. Mm -hmm. That didn't work out very well. This should work out better for a couple of reasons. Number one, he's a perfect scheme fit for what Vic Fangio wants to do. Say that ten times over and louder. Yes. He's a perfect scheme fit for what Vic Fangio wants to do. That's the attribute of A.J. Boye. He's a good zone corner. Last year in Jacksonville, they ran a lot more man, which is part of why he struggled. He is not a press man, one-on-one type corner. Now, is he a number one corner if you're running zone? He can be. But he's going to have opportunities to make plays in this defense they did not have last year. 
I don't know if he gets back to his 2016-2017 peak, but he should be a very effective cornerback for the Broncos. Another thing, let's say it doesn't work out and he struggles. You can move on at this time next year, no cost to your cap, unless you do something silly like restructure his contract. But the Broncos wouldn't do that, now would they? Well... (laughs) Let's not act like restructuring Joe Flacco's contract was a bad thing. I know. I know. Um, I would love for them to restructure the contract personally, but that's because I believe in AJ Boye. And I think uh, you could actually restructure him down to exactly what you had for Chris Harris Jr. prepared. I think you could get him to take the three year, 36 million, 22 to 24 million guaranteed. You are probably planning on having A.J. Boye for the next two years. I would be surprised if the Broncos think this is a one-year stopgap. So, with that in mind, I wouldn't have a problem with restructuring, moving around the salary cap, that sort of thing. But if you don't want to do that, you have the ultimate freedom here of, technically, you don't even have to roll with him this year. Right. If something happened, like let's say he got to camp and he just was not there entirely. No money is guaranteed. All the guaranteed money is gone. The Jaguars, all they have left on their cap after this trade is consummated at the start of the new league year is the prorated portion of his bonus that hasn't counted toward their cap. They need a cap relief. I mean, really, the Jaguars made it clear a few weeks ago that they were going to move on from A.J. Boye. Mm -hmm. This was just about the Broncos jumping the line and making sure they got him rather than letting the Jaguars cut him and then finding themselves in a free-for-all, probably with several other teams, for his services. So basically the fourth-round pick, the pick they got from the 49ers, is, uh, it's the cost of doing business here to make sure that they cornered the market and they got their guy. Now, in full disclosure, it's come out since that A.J. Boye said he would prefer to be traded to the Broncos, which tells you that, he probably would have signed with the Broncos if he went into free agency. Um, and no you also probably though. could have gotten him for less money. I don't, less money, that's interesting. I'm, I'm not sure. It, maybe they don't get him for less money. Maybe it, ends up being, maybe it ends up being a deal that has more guaranteed, for example. Definitely would have had more guaranteed. Yeah, so. uh, it's in the end, it, it, to me, it's a fantastic deal. And we were talking to a source out in Indianapolis and, you know, they, they started by saying left tackle is the number one need for the Broncos. And then they stopped themselves. And they said, well, if Chris isn't there, then corner mm-hmm. is the number one need for the Broncos. And before free agency starts, before the draft, John Elway went out and said, you know what? I don't want to mess around with this. Let me check off our number one need because we don't think we're getting Chris back. And let's roll. And it's funny, Mace, because if you talk – um, if you listen to yesterday's podcast, which I'm sure most of you did, while we didn't talk about AJ Boye because the, the news came down after we finished recording, we talked about a lot of things that are pertinent to the situation. One of those things was that Vic Fangio, and it would have to be reframed to be a fit with what we're talking about here, but we're talking about how Vic Fangio isn't isn't placing value quite as high on corners. Now he needs people out there, but when you talk about A.J. Boye, you aren't thinking about a one-on-one press man, lockdown, number one corner. 
You're talking about a guy who fits in really well and a guy who can play up in the run game, which is very important for Vic Fangio. So he tackles very well. He's got one of the lower missed tackle percentages in the league the last few years as well. So he doesn't let a lot of guys get around him. He fits the non-negotiable, like you know, like you mentioned with the, with the tackling. The other thing is that when he was at his best in 2017, it was when he was part of a complete defense that was that had an excellent pass rush, was solid at safety. He'll have better safeties here with the Broncos and a team that was playing from ahead. So if things go well on the offensive side and the Broncos are playing from ahead more than the Jaguars were the last two seasons, then Boye does have the chance to have that six-pick kind of season that he had with the Jaguars in 2017 because he'll kind of he'll dupe a quarterback into throwing his way and then he'll make him pay. He's very good at that. Interestingly enough, they are paying him a, a good amount of money. It's going to be a little over $13 million. It's cornerback one money, clearly. Yes. But the Broncos still have a need at corner, especially with Devontae Bosby not getting tendered, which I – I mean, I guess they could change their mind on that. Well, yeah. I mean, you really – your level of trust in what's left, you've got you know, Shaquille Taylor, you've got Isaac Yadam. Devontae Harris. Devontae Harris. It's not inc- – Duke Dawson is there. Oh, you know, I keep forgetting about Duke Dawson. But do you trust him enough to where you say, okay, I'm comfortable with Duke Dawson being one of my top three corners with Prince Amukamara sitting there and with the cap space the Broncos have, Amukamara still makes a heck of a lot of sense if you can get him at $6 million a year. And then you're insured if Bryce Callahan has further foot trouble. Then, okay, Duke Dawson or Devontae Harris or Shaquille Taylor or Isaac Yadam, then one of them has to play extensively. I like that. But you need, yeah, you need to make sure you've got a Mukamara as much for the top three that you're going to play extensively as just to play CYA, basically. And I reported way back when that a Mukamara would be interested in coming to Denver. And that, I don't think that's changed at all with this situation. It is going to have to be a deal for the Broncos. You know, it, it, they're not going to pay him big money. Um, but I think, I mean, if you had a five-man secondary of Bryce Callahan, Prince Amukamara, A.J. Boye, Justin Simmons, and Kareem Jackson, you are feeling fantastic. Now, you've invested over 25% of your cap space into that group, assuming that that Justin Simmons takes the franchise tag. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of money. But you're in that – remember, I've said this many times. Every move you make has to be with the – thought of competing with the Chiefs. And that means you need corners. That means you need a secondary. Yeah. And to have a five man secondary of those five, especially if they're all healthy, is really nice. It's interesting because I think Broncos fans, because they've had Champ Bailey and then Aqib Talib and Chris Harris Jr., they're used to the lockdown corners playing press man. It's a it's a, this is an adjustment. For Broncos fans to watch. For sure. You could even argue that now it's going back to where the strength is at the safety position. Because Kareem Jackson in a pinch, he can 
dive down and be a corner and he can handle coverage. You don't really want that. And your safety depth isn't going to be what it was last year because you're almost certainly losing Will Parks, who will go somewhere and take the opportunity to be a starter, kind of like Shaq Barrett did at this time last year. But it fits what Vic Fangio does because Fangio's defenses historically have been stronger at the safety position than the corner position. And this isn't just in Chicago. This is going over the course of his career. Safety has been the cornerstone of his secondary, not cornerback. And I guess this brings us to the second part of this conversation, which revolves around who this probably negatively impacts their chances of being a Bronco the most, and that is Chris Harris Jr. And... It's an interesting conversation because there is reporting out there, I think from multiple people, but the one that's sticking out to me is Mike Kliss, that the Broncos are still interested in, in talking to Chris Harris Jr. when free agency starts coming around or leading up to free agency. Just because they're interested doesn't mean he's interested. And here's where this is a nuanced conversation because I tweeted this out. I don't know if you saw it late last night. I can't keep up with what Chris wants anymore. He wanted to play against wide receiver one. Mm-hmm. They let him play against wide receiver one. Now And then he said he wanted to play the slot. I mean, he literally said, I'm done playing in the slot when he didn't make the Pro Bowl in 2018. So then they put him outside. Then he came back and said, I need to be, I need to be playing in the slot. And that means I need good corners around me. So what do the Broncos do? They go out and get a good corner. And in the, the way things are, if you add Chris Harris Jr. to the mix – he plays in the slot. They wanted Bryce to play outside. Obviously, Bouye's playing outside. So now, Chris, welcome to the slot. You would expect him to say, while the money might be a little off here, the Broncos are now a more attractive destination based on what Chris said he wanted. So I expected him to say something along the lines of, well, let's see what they got for me. But no. Instead, Chris goes online and is just publicly angling for a spot on the Kansas City Chiefs. And it's like, dude, why do you want Broncos fans to hate you? I just don't understand. Well, he's even commenting on Kansas City Barbecue. Matt Miller, uh, NFL Draft Scout on Twitter, asked him, which barbecue spot are we hitting first, Chris Harris Jr.? And he says, Oklahoma Joe's or Jack Stacks really can't lose. Like, come on, man. What are you doing? Well, the thing with Chris Harris Jr., you know, he's he's got a lot of dog in him, as Aqib Tlaib might say. And his mentality appears to be, if I can't be a Bronco, I want to get them back. They which offered is interesting, him a contract. Which is interesting. They offered him a contract, and also they've given him an opportunity that he took and ran with for nine years. I think what's happened is that he signed that contract in December 14, in December 2014. And clearly it proved to be a bargain for the Broncos. And that may frustrate him in retrospect that he took less money than he could have gotten otherwise. But at the same time, you have to look at the way the landscape was for him back in December of 2014. He was 11 months removed from tearing his ACL. So at the time, 
the contract that he got, maybe it didn't reflect what he could have received on the open market, but the ACL is foremost on everybody's mind. Here's a chance to set himself and his family up for life, and if he has a recurrence of the injury, oh well, you've still got paid. You've still got the money that you can live off of potentially for the rest of your days if you're smart. I just think Chris yeah. is handling this the wrong way. Um, like you said, Denver has been amazing to him, I would say. Um, while maybe he hasn't gotten the money that he wanted, he was given a chance as a low-level undrafted free agent. Yeah, there's He a got lot- the lowest signing bonus of anyone that year. There are a lot of teams where someone that got that signing bonus would barely have received the time of day. They just would have been a non-factor. A body. Right. But one thing that Denver has always done well is that they've given those guys, even the ones that are the lowest of the low among their undrafted free agents, they've given them a shot that if they show something, hey, we'll bump you up, we'll give you more opportunities, we'll find out what you have. And it's why the Broncos historically have been so successful at finding contributors from the undrafted ranks because they will move maneuver pieces around to make sure that if some guy is balling out unexpectedly gets a shot a a lot of places that wouldn't have happened he got it in Denver and then when he makes the team he has a chance to be around Champ Bailey yep and and see how it's done on a day-to-day basis see how Champ Bailey studied film how he practiced every day and to his credit Chris took what he could get from Champ Bailey, couldn't take his raw athleticism, but could take a lot of the study habits and everything else and put them into his game. And really, I think everything's going to fade over the long term. And if Chris goes to Kansas City, it's going to hurt. He's going to be public enemy number one in Denver for a little bit. But then eventually he'll be in the ring of fame. It'll be all good. He'll be beloved. Yeah. It, it, but it's going to be an interesting time here if he goes to Kansas City because he's going to be a little bit of the enemy, and yet Denver and the situation that was set up here is what made him who he became because one of the things that allowed him to flourish was the fact that he could go outside in base, slot in sub-package, and with Champ Bailey and then Aqib Tlaib, the Broncos always had the corners to allow him to do that. They always had the CB1s. Yeah, I, I just I just wish it, he was handling it different. I love Chris Harris Jr. Like he He's is, one of my favorite players that I've ever covered. He's honest almost to a fault. Always available, always accommodating. Exactly. So and, and the 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 guy I love Chris Harris Jr. the player, mm-hmm. I love Chris Harris Jr. and I'm just bummed because I think he's handling this the total wrong way. I think he's acting as if the Broncos have wronged him in some way. Let's not forget, they just gave him $3 million as a gift last year. Like, And then they offered him what I believe is a fair contract, three years for $36 million. Um, maybe he believes he deserves more. That's fine. But I don't think it's a low-ball offer. Do you think that maybe he looked at the Kareem Jackson contract and said, wait a minute. Kareem got three for 33. Right. They offered him three for 36. Yeah, but I'm saying, like, 
last year before they had the offer to him and before they put the $3 million adjustment on his contract, you think he looked at Kareem Jackson and said, hey, wait a minute, what? at that moment Kareem is getting more. Why? Why am I not getting that? I think he probably did, but that's probably the wrong way to go about it because contract terms, they do change over time. One, the risk of signing a five-year contract, now you've got security, and Chris and Chris ended up playing out the entire length of that five-year deal he got when he signed it back in 2014. But the risk of that is that you end up being underpaid toward the back end of it if you're playing well. A lot of guys, they end up fading, and the team moves on from them. I mean, A.J. Boye had a five-year contract from the Jaguars. He didn't play as well as they wanted him to. They had a cap crunch. They had to move on from him, and Boyer's in a good situation where he can he can continue to, to make the money on those contract terms by coming to Denver via the trade. I think Chris, it's, it's almost like he feels like he signed a, a, a contract that didn't reflect his worth as the deal went on into year three, year four, year five, and he's frustrated, but that's just part of, of the deal. You get that financial security, but if you end up, playing it out and improving and playing better, then you're going to have to sit there and watch as the contract values for players at your position go up and up and up. It's the, it's the nature of the game. I think so too. And I just, I just, I wish he would, would handle this with just a little bit more grace and just, you know, he started off classily yesterday saying congrats to AJ ball out bro or whatever he said to that. And I just wish he would have left it at that. But doing this whole, like, I would call it fear-mongering of, you know, making Broncos fans think he's going to go to the Chiefs is just – it's just immature in my opinion. Um, the other side of this take, which, again, I'll preface with the fact that I love Chris Harris Jr., the player and the person. Yes, me too. I also think it might be a good thing for a little refresher in the locker room. I don't think it's the – I don't think that it's any longer a bad thing for guys who are on the Super Bowl 50 team to be moving on. I think that there is a weird um, chasm in the locker room between the young core, which is the most important part of this team by far, and the guys who have Super Bowl rings. And the guys who have Super Bowl rings deserve a lot of respect because they have done it at the highest level. But I also think that times have changed and those guys actually need to fall in line behind the guys who are the young core now. I'm not sure it's as as black and white as that because, for example, remember Shelby Harris talking about how the young guys couldn't necessarily be leaders. Well, Shelby Harris doesn't have a ring on his finger. I know, and he said something along those lines too, but he said, you know, we've got two Super Bowl MVPs in here. Mm -hmm. How are we ever going to turn to these young players? And I would say, for example, that Von Miller has been a guy who's done a very good job at bridging the gap. I think he has, too. Um, it's just this Peyton Manning, Super Bowl, top-of-the-mountain mindset that I just think needs to change. It's not going to be like that anymore. And, again, love Chris, love the player. But I, I, and yet I, we I got, don't think yeah. it's bad for a reset. And yet we've got Drew Locke, who is reaching out to Peyton Manning. Yes. So... To me, 
I know it's been frustrating and there has been a generation gap in the locker room, but you still like to have some guys that know the way and that understand what it takes to be a champion. And if you don't have at least a few players that were around when Peyton Manning was around, you are going to lose something. And that's why Drew Locke working well, you've with got Peyton Vaughn, you've is got hopefully Derek, Derek Wolf, Wolf, Brandon McManus. Should be counted as well. Uh, Todd Davis was around. So it's not completely barren. It's, I just think – I think it's more about this one guy. I think it's the lead – I think the the leadership needs to shift to the young players. And that means Drew Locke, Philip Lindsay, Dalton Reisner, Cortland Sutton. That should be the leadership of this team. And I don't think a guy like Chris Harris Jr. is ever going to – buy into something like that. But I think Von Miller actually can. He can, but he's still going to be a guy with he the captain's He can still be a pillar, but I think, he's more, I think he's more malleable in the way that he acts. I don't think he's going to act like he shouldn't, be, he shouldn't have to listen to Drew Locke. But also the way that Chris kind of acts and sees things is a big part of why he's successful. Totally. Because it's very much, okay, you don't think I can? Well, I will. I just think that he goes out and does it. I just think that maybe the two sides have just kind of worn thin on each other. Well, the, and I don't Chris think is a, Chris is a type A, and if you're going to the negotiation perspective, John Elway's a type A. And even Vic Fangio, I, I, I never got the feeling that there was love there. Well, was it Chris who was talking, who back in training camp talked about how, you know, how Wade Phillips kind of had a habit of kind of showing guys love. And it was sort of kind of the con he wasn't mentioning Vic Fangio by name, but it was clear what he was trying to say in terms of the contrast of the way things were compared to the way they are. Yeah. Different styles and so, and different styles work for different guys. Of course, uh, Chris Harris Jr. does not have the option of going to play for Wade Phillips because Wade Phillips is nobody's defensive coordinator right now. Remember when we thought Chris for sure would end up in L.A.? Yeah. When in twenty in uh, twenty eighteen they you know hugged at midfield and so wait had no them. I I mean I remember the talking about it when Wade got fired yeah he didn't get he he's not anywhere Wade is out of football right he now he is a free agent he's Tweeting. By the way, I'm unblocked by Wade Phillips. Hey, congrats. Big day for you. It's good to be able to read at Son of Bum again. I just think it's it's time to move on. And, well, maybe the Broncos offer Chris. I mean, at this point, I would assume it would have to be a low ball offer. I also don't really think Chris is going to end up in Kansas City. I just uh, – they've got a, plenty of guys to pay out They've there. got guys to pay, and I think what Chris needs for Kansas City to end up with him is the CBA to be settled. That would help that cause tremendously. You figure out what the costs are going to be, what the expenses are going to be, but also you'll have an idea that if you get this CBA signed that you're going to see – significant uptick in revenue because of the TV and streaming contracts that you would probably be signing over the next five months or so. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, I unless, know, I, unless coronavirus kills the economy in that time. Oh, God. Um, I don't see it happening for him in Kansas City. I think that uh, he's not going to be a Bronco, but he'll end up somewhere outside of the AFC West in the end. We'll see, though. Obviously, he is making it clear that he wants to be a Chief, so maybe he'll take a pay cut again. <laughs> and then we'll, in a few years, we'll see be... what matters. Is it the pay or the chance to get another ring on the finger? Yeah, I just hate this stick it to the Broncos thing as if the Broncos ever did anything wrong. I don't think they did. I don't think they did anything wrong either. I think I think Chris is just a chip on a shoulder guy. Yeah. He always needs a, a target. He, and he I needs understand a slight. That. Everyone need sometimes you need that motivation. Yeah, and I, I totally get that. So I respect the way that he does things. It's interesting that we started talking about AJ Boyer who's coming into Denver, but we end up talking more about Chris Harris Jr., who is almost certainly on his way out. And by the way, did you find it in, interesting how a couple of hours after everything went down that I think it was Cliss and also you mentioned Cliss, but also I think Ryan O'Halloran were both saying, well, the Broncos could re-sign a Chris Harris Jr. They still, they still would be interested in bringing him back. And then a lot of the rest of us who were writing about it were basically saying, Hey, Chris Harris Jr. is gone. I, I noted that in my piece as well. This means that Chris Harris Jr. is almost certainly not coming back to the Broncos. Yeah. I mean, the Broncos aren't going to pay, Four guys in their secondary north of $10 million per year. And that would take that secondary, those those guys, if you include Bryce Callahan as well, those five guys, you'd be north of $60 million. Yeah, that's a lot of money. Over 30% of what is likely to be a $200 million cap. But you year. also have an extremely young offense with almost no money in there to anyone besides Juwan And James. a cost-controlled quarterback. But you're going to spend Drink. elsewhere on the defense. You're probably going to add a defensive lineman. You should bring back either Derek Wolf or Shelby Harris. Certainly that is looking more like Derek Wolf is the guy who would come back rather than Shelby Harris. I don't think they're done at corner. And inside linebacker is one to watch, you know, with uh, Kwiatkowski from Chicago – uh, Joe Schobert from Cleveland. Uh, there could be a move coming there as well. And then really in free agency, on the offensive side, perhaps running back if the price is right, a CYA receiver, and probably one offensive lineman. Uh, pro football talk this morning connecting the dots and suggesting Mike Remmers, who the last time a lot of Broncos fans pay attention to Mike Remmers, he was Von Miller's own personal hand puppet in Super Bowl 50. Yeah, I was going to say it would be nice to see Von re reunited with his son. Yeah. <laughs> Remmers, of course, was in Broncos camp way back, but uh, the significance of Remmers right now is that he played for Pat Shermer in Minnesota and then with the Giants. He's been a tackle. He, st he started with the Vikings at right guard, and if – there was some fire to the smoke of Mike Remmers to the Broncos. You'd likely have him competing for playing time at right guard. Maybe it's him and Elijah Wilkinson fighting for that spot. But then Remmers is also your swing tackle behind Jawan James and Garrett Bowles. At the right price, I'm completely fine with that. You're talking about a guy with a ton of experience who, you know, it's, it's like a a veteran backup quarterback who you know isn't very good. Three to four, three to four million a year, basically. Right, but if yeah. you ha if you got a 
If you're in a pinch, you at least like to have a guy in there who's played. And then on offense, I still want to see a veteran backup quarterback. I'm not comfortable with what the Broncos have. I'm not comfortable with Brandon if they choose to bring back Brandon Allen. I'm not comfortable with Brandon Allen. I'm not co- and and Brett Rippin is the only options behind Drew Locke at this point. I'm fine. I'm fine with Rippin, but that's neither here nor there. At least today. Uh, before we move on, shout out to Breck Brew and the Avalanche Ale specifically, which is a great beer for this time of year when there's just a little chill in the air sometimes you like a little bit more uh full flavored beer avalanche ale is your go-to on that it's it's as widespread as any of the breck beers so you should be able to find it near you also vanilla porter is a good one too i know a lot of you have tried that make sure you're tagging us in your pictures we love seeing what you're drinking uh we love breck brew also make sure you check out our brand new coverage of the colorado raptors I'm getting into this. They got their first win this last week over the Utah Warriors. Um, The sport is great. And I haven't watched much of it at the highest, highest level. So you know how sometimes you watch like an EPL game and then you go watch an MLS game and you're like, wow, Mm -hmm. there is a big difference here. I haven't watched much of the uh, top leagues of rugby. So I feel like I'm seeing it. At full speed, and it looks awesome to me. In some ways, rugby is a lot of what football could be and could become as the game evolves. What's interesting, of course, is rugby and football, they have the same origin point. And you can see the similarities in the games. But one big thing for football was legalizing the forward pass. And that's not something you see in rugby. And it's, it's interesting to watch. I like it. But one of the things I like about rugby as well is the fact that the ball is put back in place so quickly. And so it's, you don't have the pauses for committee meetings, as it were, which is a fancy way of saying huddles, like, like you have in football. And uh, it's a game that keeps moving. It's a game that's active. I've, I've watched some of it. I, sometimes as, an, as a night owl, I will watch uh, Super League, which is primarily in the Southern Hemisphere with teams in New Zealand and Australia and um, South Africa and a couple other spots as well. But what I've seen of the Raptors, it's for this country, it's it's high quality. And it's a fun day out, and it's uh, for if you're looking for a cheap day out on a nice uh, afternoon, early evening in Denver, it's a great it's a great opportunity. Yeah, you can get in the stadium for like twenty bucks. Kids, five bucks. That's a big thing. I highly, highly recommend it as a little family activity or just a fun way to go out drinking with the buddies. Um, all right, let's jump into the questions here, and I'm sure there will be a lot about A.J. Boye. So unless there's a specific question that we haven't yet covered, um, we'll probably just share your thoughts and, and move on. Okay, we'll start with Illinois Bronco, who brings up Chris Harris Jr., and says, can you see a scenario where he returns? If yes, what's the cost? If no, another low-cost player to sign a corner to further strength in the secondary. Mukamar is the one who makes sense. I wouldn't say he's low-cost. He's moderate-cost. Uh, Chris Harris Jr., if he did come back, it would be with his tail between his legs, basically. And probably it would be if he didn't see an offer that he wanted and had to kind of come back and sign a one-year $10 million deal or something like that. Yeah, that'd but be, I can't see that happening. Yeah, I, I can't necessarily either. He says Too much not, money burning holes in teams' pockets right now. Right. He asks who's a low-cost player. Um, it would be 
Prince Mukamara. I think that's the perfect guy that you kind of add. And, and at that point, you have five guys in the secondary you feel comfortable with, and I think that's really good. From Sausage Sanga Harry, he says, RK, Zach, and Mace, I've been so inspired by your work on the pod that I've convinced my two best friends to start our own podcast. Nice. Well we are all relatively new fathers, and this will be our main topic, just how we deal with everyday struggles, the ups and downs, and all, in, all of the in-between what it means to be a dad in the modern world. So my hope for you guys is that you give me some pointers on how to set up a basic pod, the do's and don'ts, uh, what you've learned along the way, anything from script writing, tech equipment, to the host site you use, etc. If you could spare the time, I would be forever grateful. When things are up and running, I will let you know. Well, my pointers is to don't script anything. Um, once you start trying to script stuff, you're just it, it's going to become unnatural. Be as natural as you possibly can. Give yourself some talking points that you know you want to hit. Whoever is the host, make sure that you don't sit on one topic for too long and that you do keep the conversation moving. Make sure you do get from A to B if that was your goal. Um, no so, script, but I encourage an outline. Right, exactly. That's what I mean, yeah. As soon as you start like trying to say word for word mm -hmm. something that you wrote down, now you've got a scripted podcast, and it doesn't sound like that's what you want. It sounds like you want more of a conversation here on, in this style of podcast. As for equipment, we use um, Focusrite's um, – what's it called here? I'll look at it. Mixer? Yeah, it's a Focusrite Red um, pod box. Ours is pretty high level. You can get much cheaper ones that are still uh, good for what you might want to do. And if you want something that's kind of portable and can kind of go wherever, what we used in Indianapolis, for example, is a, a Zoom H5 recorder that comes with two XLR inputs, but you can buy an extender that adds two more. So you could potentially have four XLR mics plugged into it and have the sound coming in on four channels. So if you're looking for something you can kind of take anywhere and kind of be on the go and you don't necessarily need power, like electric power, you can have battery-operated power. That's the sort of thing I'd recommend, too. And then finally, for your last question, we uh, use Megaphone as our host site. Okay. So we're happy. Uh, we're always happy to help out. And uh, let us know if you have any more specific questions. And the good thing about Megaphone, it will distribute to a lot to the major podcast providers. Of course, the big kahuna is Apple. That's You want it there. But uh, don't ignore Stitcher and the other outlets as well because – if you do, you might hear from some Android users who say, wait a minute, how can I get your pod? Yep. My last um, tip would be to have a podcast name that makes it easy for people to find who would want a podcast about mm. whatever you're talking about. Yeah. SEO type stuff. From Mile High Mike, my favorite part of the AJ Boye trade is that nobody predicted it. I follow 20 plus Broncos pages on Instagram and 30 plus NFL and Broncos reporters on Twitter. And everyone raved about Byron Jones, Darius Slay, and draft prospects. Love this move by Elway. Good addition to the secondary and a day three pick isn't causing anyone to hyperventilate. I don't know what the bonus of most people not talking about it is, but I will say that uh, Mike Kliss actually did predict it mm -hmm. a couple weeks ago. I put predict in air quotes because usually when he floats something out there, there's a reason. Um, but – yeah, I don't know why it would be a good thing that people weren't talking about it. I still love Byron Jones, Darius Slay, and a few guys in the draft. <laughs> I, I'm glad, based on the cost, I'm glad it ended up being Boye and not Slay. I think Slay, you're starting to get into maybe a second-round conversation, and uh, that was too rich. I, I didn't want to give up a day-two pick That's fair. for a corner. 
Yeah, I mean, the Broncos still have five picks in the first two days. Which yeah, is and they crazy. kept their first fourth-round pick as well. Yep. Um, he says, I'll ask you to rate these five cornerbacks on a scale of one to five. Byron Jones, Darius Slate, Chris Harris Jr., Prince of Mugamara, and our new homeboy in orange, A.J. Boye. Okay, so Prince of Mugamara is last. He's probably about two right now. Oh, are we? Are, is each guy in his own scale, or are we ranking them? I thought we were because he said scale one to five. I think he means who's the best. Rank them one to okay, yeah. Because yeah, a scale of one to five would mean each of them is anywhere from one to five, and you could have like two fours and so forth. But. Yes. So just let's, okay, let's rank them one to five. Okay, Amukamara is fifth. Mm-hmm. Um, are we talking about scheme fit? Or are we talking about player? Because the player. Chris Harris Jr. is a better player than A.J. Boye. Yes. So that's but, a- I- but Boye is a better scheme fit for the Broncos right now. As things stand, based on all current things and age, et cetera, I would say it probably goes Amukamara, Boye, Harris Jr., Jones, Slay. Okay. I'd probably still have – I'd go Jones at the top, Harris second, Slay third, but they're close. And then Boye fourth and Amukamar fifth, but if we're talking about scheme fit. Boye might pop up to number two. Yeah, it's all relative, yeah. for sure. And and in the end, all that matters is scheme fit for the Broncos. Mm-hmm. Follow up question: He says everyone says the Broncos are officially out of the market for Byron Jones. Does this account for all other possible acquisitions, namely Prince or draft even? Thanks to the platinum content, I've spoken mile high, Mike. Well, we already answered that. Mm-hmm. For Mark It Snatch, hey guys, as usual, I apologize for the litany. To respond to Broncos Matt a couple w- days ago, I can verify Loyal Coffee is legit. It's a cool atmosphere and almost can't be beat. However, Solar Roast, a few blocks away, is on a whole other plane. It's a Pueblo staple that has begun expanding north. The roasting facility is solar-powered, hence the name. Good food, outstanding organic coffee, killer vinyl records to per- peruse while you wait. Got to try Pueblo Mocha, a mocha latte with a touch of cayenne powder. It really makes the chocolate pop. I have no idea what the rest Why are we talking about joints in Pueblo? Uh, I don't, Bronco Matt, I think, brought up something. Okay. says, Mace, be honest, how excited were you at seeing Michael Turk's bench press? Not as excited as when I watched the film of him punting. All right. Again, I, I'm kind of like Mike Shanahan, who when Todd Sauerbrunn got busted for a Fedra comment, they didn't care that the punter was fat. I don't care about the punter being able to have a good bench press number. Tell me how he kicks the ball. I also want to know how he throws and how he runs. Just for a fake for peace punt? of mind, yes. Well, I think Turk was a safety in high school, so he may come up a little short on that unless he can be coached. Fair enough. But Riley Dixon, we saw back in 2016, he had the longest completion for the Broncos that year, and he had a little quarterback in his past, and it showed. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I was a big fan of Riley Dixon's versatility. Mm-hmm. He goes on, when I got word of the A.J. Boye trade, my first thought was R.K. shouting, we got him. My head says that C.H.J. is gone. All logic says that, too. But adding Boye would make it easier for to let C.H.J. work in the slot, which is what he's looking for. The overall cap between Boye, Callahan, Simmons, Jackson, and C.H.J. would be brutal. But barring injuries, this would be a group that would rival the no-fly zone. But he's probably gone. Oh, well, one can dream. Also, now that it's at least 11 picks in the draft – how many more do we trade away for free agents? And no more than one more. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think uh, – let me ask you this. 
would you trade a draft pick for Trey Turner? Uh, what draft pick? Probably a two or the high three. Probably not. Okay. Um, I like. I don't know. I, I'm comfortable with where the Broncos are at right guard. At this point, I I don't want to be sacrificing a day two pick. Okay. I, I'm okay if there's a th- a trade of a day three selection for a guy who can help you. I, I'm comfortable with that, but I hope that any future trades don't involve any of those first five picks in round one through three. Okay. From Dan, hashtag trade up for rugs. Burke, hey, y'all. My favorite part of the trade is that it has no effect on the comp pick formula. If Chris leaves and signs a big enough deal to earn a third-round comp pick, which isn't a reach to suggest, trading for Boye will result in a net overall game for the Broncos. They could even sign Prince of Mukamara right now and still leave the comp pick formula totally, totally unaffected. Yes, because Chicago cut a Mukamara. Yep. And that's why I know it's been brought up in some of the comments. Paul Richardson at wide receiver. Former CU buff because... Washington cut him. Now, this also depends on what other moves the Broncos make in free agency and if our other free agents sign big deals elsewhere, but that would definitely be some savvy GMing if Elway ends up with a higher pick than what he traded away for Boye. You would hope that the Broncos sign enough free agents to cancel that out, honestly. But they would have to sign a big-ticket guy. If Chris Harris Jr. ends up moving on, that means to have somebody that cancels out that third-round pick, you'd probably need... To sign a Joe Schobert. Yeah, that, I want that over a third-round pick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I, don't, I don't think DJ Reader or Michael Pierce would cross over to canceling out Chris Harris Jr. Probably not. But I, ho- I, just, I want the Broncos to spend their money. They have money. Spend it. From 940 Bronco, oh, man, it's always crazy to have the podcast post right after big news drops, but wow, that A.J. Boye trade could be a steal. A little off topic, but I said I would report back after going to my first XFL game and, uh, for the Dallas Renegades, and it was a ton of fun. The crowd was rowdy. The game was actually enjoyable, but I think the kind of atmosphere can absolutely sustain people who are really hungry for football in the offseason. Now to Broncos. Do you think that Fangio is pretty satisfied with this current secondary, or would they like to add a few more pieces? I think we kind of addressed that one more piece at cornerback. And maybe that's in the draft. But I think... Makes everyone nervous around here to be talking about a draft cornerback, especially if it's in round three, which would be the likelihood, I would think, based on the preponderance of third-round picks. I agree. So... But the XFL thing, glad you uh, chimed in on uh, the Renegades game. By the way, did they play Renegade by sticks at any point? They had to. You'd think they'd have to, right? Yes. The games look like fun for the fans. Like you saw St. Louis, they've gotten some good crowds. And uh, what's going to happen? I think there will be some settling out of of markets. But if they're patient, they play the long game. I think it's something that that can work. And, yeah, you know, I went to a lot of arena football games when I was younger Scratching that off-season itch, I get it. Done, you know. I guess it can be fun. I would just much. I'm much more likely to go to a basketball or a hockey game at this time of year. I think one thing, while the late winter schedule and going right after the Super Bowl, there's some merit to that. The late winter schedule helps, say, like a Dallas or Houston, Wouldn't where the it? weather is nice. But I think if if they really wanted to take it to the next level, I think they would truly make it spring football because, like, I saw a crowd 
for a game in New York this past weekend. It was about 30 degrees, and nobody's going to go watch minor league football when it's when it's brutally cold out. So I think they've I think they've got this misplaced a little bit on the calendar. I would rather I'd I'd like to see them push back the start of the season a few weeks, or maybe even run on like an April to early July schedule. Okay, now you have my attention because, again, I'm an all-sports guy. Right. I'm locked in on the Nuggets and Avs right now. If the Denver Gold were here, then I would be paying attention. But if they were in the middle of the summer and they played on Saturday afternoons, that really – it wouldn't interfere with any other sport. Right. You got – you'd have my full attention. Yeah, that's – I think – You know, you could go to a – Denver Gold game at Dick Sporting Goods Park, and then head over to uh, Coors Field. Yeah, for the nightcap, and, and you run a a lower risk of cold weather. Right now in Denver, you're always going to have that risk to some degree, but you've got a better chance of having a nice 65 degree day for a game if you start the season in April rather than in February. They bring back the Denver Gold, and they start the season on February the 9th or February the 10th, then. It's a coin flip that you're going to have a 25-degree day, and who's going to want to watch that? Although I do believe that if Tim Tebow were the quarterback, people would come out and watch, even on a 25-degree day. You would 100% sell out dicks. Yes. And that's where they should play. That's the, the other thing is that the XFL needs to get out of the big stadiums. 100%. And like even the place where you went to the game uh, down in, in, in Dallas commenting on this Globe Life Park, that's... They've they're only selling the lower levels, but that's too big. They need to be thinking MLS stadiums like they've got uh, in Washington, where they're playing at the at Audi Field, where DC United plays. So if there's a Denver Gold, yeah, you might be tempted to try to get a big crowd and say we'll play at uh, at Empower Field, but you need to be thinking Dicks, period. Or play it at uh, maybe a Canvas Stadium. Are there enough people in Fort Collins that would come out though? It's I mean, too far. It's not centrally. It's not centrally located, and like you said, they don't support the the Rammies. Yeah, that's a shame. So you know, I don't see it. You got the next one. Yeah, I'll take it from from OMA Bronco. I assume Omaha. Yes. Um, yes. As an out of stater, are the DNVR tailgates for every Broncos game or just a few? Definitely need to plan my trip this year from Omaha. GBR. Sorry, not sorry. RK. You don't have to apologize to me. We've won two in a row. Yeah. For a game, I can meet the fellas and hopefully sample some more Breck brews than are available in Denver East. See why I did there? PFM used Well, real the, quick. You know, every game. Yeah. PFM used the city's name so much, I think I'm just going to think of it this way to make up for the disgusting amount of KC fans around here. Fans in quotes. In a related note, do you guys still think there's any chance after today's trade news we still sign Prince Mukamara? Yes. I'm a little biased, but I think we could get him at a favorable price to complete a really solid secondary with the assumption CHJ is a goner. Oh, right. He's yeah. biased because he went to Nebraska. Oh, and that's the issue between you two, the CU-Nebraska yes. rivalry. I'm sorry you guys won't be playing this year. It's sad, but I don't really mind basking in two glorious victories. But they should be playing every year. I agree. And uh, if the Big Ten wants to send us an offer, I will quickly accept it. <laughs> <laughs> Mets Bronco 50 with the Boyer trade do you think this changes any free agency plans 
Me, I wouldn't mind adding a Mukumar to get add more depth to corner. Yeah, we touched on that. Also, highlight how likely is it that we look late in the draft for backup quarterback? I'm with Mason on getting a vet, but was just curious if you guys have heard anything about drafting a backup. Seventh round flyer if the comp picks come in as expected and the Broncos have one over maybe even the last pick and there's a undraft there's a guy who would be undrafted that they like they may just go ahead and pick him right then and there kind of like they did with Chad Kelly a few years ago other than that no I I don't want I just I want Brett Rippon to be here I've heard it now from multiple multiple sources about the relationship between him and Drew and not just the friendship but it was described to me as if a coach tries to explain something and Drew doesn't get it, Brett knows how to explain it in a way that Drew will get it. Like, he's an, he's an extension of the coaching staff when it comes to Drew. Drew's already going to have to deal with a new quarterback's coach and a new offensive coordinator. Give him some stability and let him keep his buddy, his roommate, you know, his guy around. All right, well, here's my counter to that. I think you have some a young guy competing with Brett Rippon for that back-of-the-roster spot. If it doesn't work out for Brett Rippon, then you – cut him but offer him a chance to be on the coaching staff i'm fine with that it's mike shula went from being a third teamer as a rookie behind Vinny testaverde and steve deberg in tampa bay in 1987 to an offensive assistant in 1988 in part because he and testaverde clicked yeah i'm fine with that so from missouri oh from again from iceman he says, hey, friends, my thoughts and prayers are with the good folks of Nashville. Hoping, uh, sorry, last year I was hoping River would make the 53 or the 63-man roster. Don't be shocked if Booker makes the 53. This will be year five for Devontae. Go Denver, Dalton, Drew, Devontae, and DNVR. Yeah. They have to re-sign Devontae Booker first. So he is on he is an unrestricted free agent right because he's played out his rookie rookie contract okay yeah he's gone heading into year five i'd rather have theo riddick back than Devonte booker or anyone in the draft <laughs> how will rounds. history recall the Devonte booker era uh it will recall that he fumbled on his first ever carry and things never got that much better after that and he had that leap in indianapolis that got called back yes exactly that's the story of Devonte booker's career the best of what he did was called back. He had a touchdown against uh, in the game against the Chargers, that Week 17 game in 2018 that got wiped out by two penalties, right? Yes. Yep. One of them on Garrett Bowles. Yep. Yeah. Everyone saw it. Like I said, it, it, the number one thing I'll remember about Devontae Booker is that he was super hyped up, and then he fumbled on his first ever carry. Yeah. Missouri Bronco. Haven't commented in a while. Thought I'd share my own tornado story to go with RKs. By the way, prayers to Nashville. In 2011, my mother and sister were driving back from a wedding in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and may have stopped to eat in Joplin, Missouri. They left the restaurant a couple of hours before the big EF5 tornado hit. Of course, it made national news. So when my mom and sister got home, they were rec- they were watching and recognized the restaurant they ate at on camera. Flattened. It's crazy. I think I was that close to losing half my family. Crazy, wow. and and it's just the stories out of Nashville just keep getting more tragic. I, it's it really really sucks, and uh, definitely thinking of the people mm-hmm. in Nashville again today. Locked in. Do you guys think we should go still go after Mukamar, and how much would he be? Yeah, six million a year. Yes, we have talked about that um, mm-hmm. quite a bit at this point. Um, I, I mean, is there 
What's the? I guess let me let me change the conversation a little bit here. What's the highest you would pay for him? Mukamara. Yeah. Seven a year. Okay, that's a lot. I mean, it's still you're investing big time money into your secondary. But you can do that right now. Fair enough. Now, what is interesting is do you start planning for the future at secondary? Maybe is there a day three developmental type safety that you like perhaps to pick? Because Kareem Jackson's got two years left on his deal, and maybe you're starting to plan for the future when more of the money has to go to the offensive side than the defensive side, and you start needing to have some cost-controlled options on, on defense and particularly in the secondary. Things to think about when you get into the draft, especially when you get beyond those first five picks the Broncos have. Yeah. Uh, before we go on, a shout-out to In We Go, which I've talked about quite a bit here. Um, in past podcasts, the last couple summers, but uh, I want you guys to know about it this year. It is awesome. You sign up, and you're going to get a certain amount of events based on what level you choose, and... Once you sign up and, and you pay your monthly fee, maybe it, it's 25 for two, 45 for four, 65 for six, then you don't have to pay anything else. And you're going to get access to all sorts of events. Nuggets games, Avs games, Buffs games, um, concerts, comedy clubs, all of this stuff falls under it. And so whatever you choose to go to that month, it comes at no extra charge and the tickets are already on your phone. It's a really, really awesome setup. It's, it's kind of like Netflix for events in your city and it's not just in denver it's in a bunch of cities all over the u.s so make sure you go to inwego.com and check out where it's at but if you use the code dnvr you get your first month free and you're going to get four events so a 45 dollar value on your first month i really really recommend if you're anyone who likes to go out and do anything on the weekends this is something you definitely want to check out so use that code dnvr to try out inwego for free for your first month I promise you won't regret it. All right, next one here is also from Lockton. He says, Boye has been on the decline the last two years. Do you think he can be a number one corner? In this in system, this scheme, yes. yes. All right, that answers that. Yeah. Orange and blue coming for you. AJ Boye is a Bronco. Love to see early, early offseason moves, even if it's not technically official. I'm sure you've already talked about it, but I was wondering what your opinion is on the move. Yes, we have already okay. talked about it. Would he take the place of Chris, or would you expect to push for Byron Jones, Darius Slayer, Prince Mukamara? We talked about that. Love this podcast. Keep up the great work. Thank you. From yeah. Orange Crush, first of all, I said A.J. Boye to the Broncos a few weeks ago. Good call. Secondly, the talk about Nashville's crowd yesterday got me thinking. Living in Australia, I'm so jealous of the atmospheres America's, Americans get at their sporting events. The crowd interaction and entertainment is amazing at all venues and all sports. It doesn't quite meet those standards in Australia, besides a certain few events, in my opinion. I guess, uh, what would those few events be? Maybe some Australian football league games, perhaps? Yeah. Looks, some of those look pretty lively. I know. I've watched a couple of those on TV like late at night, and mm -hmm. man, that is an entertaining sport. That is a fun sport. I would be here. We talk about the Colorado Raptors rugby. I would be here for a league like that, organized like that, that could get some traction that played australian football in this country that'd be fabulous yeah I, I i have a hard time envisioning that happening i doubt it will because of the venues you need a field with a huge oval basically yeah in order sure. to make australian football happen so yeah that would be tough uh next one is from pig tosser 66 
He says, I don't like, I don't like the trade for Boye. I love it. Hmm. I know that you guys have probably just got done talking about why this is an A-plus move. My favorite reason is that it wipes out the number one hole in the roster. We didn't have a CB1 under contract. We are going to either be bidding war for Jones, and if we miss out, we'll have to reach for that position in round one out of necessity. See Bulls Garrett. This was top-notch front office work. Our next glaring hole is the D-line. I expect it to be the focus early on in free agency. Can you guys run through the roster, what we have under contract, at interior D-line for 2020? I know Gatsis is gone, and Wolf and Harris are free, agencies, are free agents. If we lose all three, what does that free agent market look like? So, yeah, yeah. The, what you have under contract is you don't even have Purcell. So, you have Draymond Jones. He's RFA. It's Draymond Jones. And then let's just go through the, the roster here and look at some of the contracts. Dayon Sizer. Basically, Draymond Jones you can put in Penn as a starter right now, I would I would expect. Kyle Pecco is still in the mix, right? Uh yes. Billy Wynn. Okay, you have nothing is the answer. Yeah, you got you got guys. You have Draymond Jones and nothing. Yeah. Demarcus Walker. Nothing. Um, so <laughs> yet, you got to bring... Yet he manages to get to the quarterback when he's out there. Yeah, okay, you have one and a half players. Yes. Um, the This is why you probably want to try to bring Derek back, just so you don't have such a glaring hole across that line. But you are going to probably get someone... In addition to that, this is why we've been saying for a while the Broncos are going to buy a defense and draft an offense. Um, they have a lot of places on that defense where they're going to need to plug holes with veterans. And we talked about it last year going into the season that all those contract years could help the defense. It didn't necessarily help them become elite, but this year you're facing the repercussions of that, which is you're replacing tons of players on that defense. you got to make some hits in free agency. And what kind of player are you looking for? Are you looking for a bigger guy? And that's where Michael Pierce, DJ Reader, uh, Snacks Harrison, who the, the Lions are parting ways with, uh, the, those guys are in the mix. You're trying to kind of project some players as well and see how they would do. Maybe you, you're looking at some bigger 4-3 defensive ends and seeing, okay, can they be a 3-4 end in this scheme and provide some pass rush punch. But uh, I think the best... The best solution here is add a reader or a Pierce, re-sign Purcell as an RFA, re-sign Derek Wolf. You have Draymond Jones, and then you add a guy at some point in the draft. I'd like to go bigger than that, but that's well, understandable. Chris Jones isn't coming here. Yeah, uh, but you still have Clayus Campbell. Um, if they let him go, right. Next one here is from Logan. He says, I was going to comment on yesterday's pod how my ideal situation would be to get Boye since I had real concerns about Byron Jones. His two interceptions of five years are a big red flag for me. I, I never grade a corner on interceptions. They're too circumstantial. Then later in the day, news broke that the tr about the trade, and I love it. A fourth for AJ is a steal. Question, do you guys see us signing another quarterback in, in cornerback in free agency like Kendall Fuller, Prince, or other? Wow. That's about the fifth time this has come up. <laughs> In the comments. Section, Which shows right. that everyone understands that the Broncos can't be done. Yes, but also that no one reads the other comments before they comment. Lastly, Mace, I don't want Ryan Fitz anywhere near this team. He's a quality backup, but everywhere he goes, the starter gets hurt or benched. So unless you want to put the Fitz magic curse on Drew, please keep him out of Denver. Thanks and have a great day. He'll probably stay in Miami for another year.
But I still like him as a backup. I, I hadn't thought about a Fitz magic curse. Yeah, the Fitz might be the opposite of magic. But also think about the quarterbacks he's been around too. I mean, he was around Josh Rosen, meh, Seamus Winston, a turnover waiting to happen just the last few years, for example. So I think that's less on him and more on the guys around him. Just me. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to put him down all that much because he's my guy. Fair enough. Fitz magic waves is one. Count Locula. Have you ever learned something the hard way? Love the count. Many times, but the one that comes to mind first for me is that when I was a kid, I never wanted to bring a jacket anywhere for some stupid reason. And so my mom would be like, make sure you bring a jacket. And I would say no, and then I would freeze. How many times did you have to fail to bring your jacket to learn this lesson? At least five. (laughs) You didn't learn it the first time? No, definitely not. So some of that hard way was you putting it on yourself. Oh, yeah. If you learned it the hard way, that meant you did it once, you learn, you move on. But if it took five times, that's a little bit of stubbornness. Definitely, yeah. No one would argue that I can okay. be stubborn at times. All right. Um, yeah, I don't know. It took me a while, but now I'm, I, I would say I'm pretty good about bringing a jacket when it's cold outside. I learned the hard way that, and it was not as hard as it could have been, fortunately. I learned the hard way that you can't make a grilled cheese sandwich in a toaster let me explain my mother is from england and she has some different colloquialisms than other people do so she called grilled cheese toasted cheese and so little mace in his ignorance thought that meant that toasted cheese sandwiches were made in the toaster so i tried to make a what I thought was a toasted cheese sandwich in the toaster, putting the cheese next to the bread, and then it was melting and it was causing a mess. And I'm like, oh, shoot. And I realized I have to get it out. And so <laughs> I try, I have, I want to try to pull the, the bread and cheese out before it makes a, a mess. And so I stick a fork in there oh my to God, try man. to get it out. <laughs> How old were you? Uh, eight. Oh, man. So did you get electrocuted? Uh, no, I, my mom saw me just in time and, and screamed, oh, understandably man. so, but the toaster was ruined and I was upset and I was crying. That's a bummer. My sister learned the hard way that you can't put tinfoil in the microwave. <laughs> that was a loud, um, did you, did it, was the microwave destroyed? No, luckily. So she like put it in there, set it and walked away. And I was still sitting in the kitchen, and I just, like, heard all these, like, pops and loud noises and ran over and stopped it, and the microwave survived. Well, I had a coffee mug when I was a kid, and it had, like, a a, a little foil-type thing, like, a little metal thing on the top, so it kind of, you know, kind of shone and all that. And then I put, I was heating some water in there so I could make some tea in the mug, and I put it in the microwave, and all of a sudden I see sparks shooting off. Oh, God. The microwave was fine. So was the mug. I still use it. It's an old New York Jets mug that my dad got for me when he was traveling once. I learned, and I guess this wasn't really learning the hard way, but I wanted to heat up a cookie once mm-hmm. just to like have a nice warm cookie. And I just, I don't know, I just had never put the, anything in the microwave in for such a short time. So I was just like, yeah, cookie in the microwave, one minute. And <laughs> uh, I ended up with a cookie on fire. <laughs> 
I'm sorry. I'm just visualizing. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> Luckily, it wasn't like engulfed in flames. Again, didn't ruin the microwave. But when I opened the microwave, smoke was billowing out of it. Oh, I learned. I also, and this was actually when I was an adult, I learned a few years ago what happens when you put too much oil in the pan and you're cooking pot stickers. Mm. You have. Oh, you have jumping flames oil. the flames oh. going up to the ceiling in our kitchen oh my god <laughs> it looked like you know how on, on those cooking shows you see you know they're having some fun and the flames kind of go up from the pan well this was for real jeez it was scary and it was awesome all at the same time <laughs> i still wish i had that on video so like little flame like little oh like, like a the big flame <laughs> shooting up from the pan because I had the oil in there and I poured the pot stickers onto the oil and then I don't think you do you even need oil in the pan for pot stickers uh, I thought you did that's what the instructions said maybe like a little bit but mostly water right did you forget the water part yeah I did oh god from world to suck oh boy am I excited about this move great deal John. One, we had the cab room and needed to consolidate picks. Check. Oh, yeah, that's another thing I said yesterday. Mm -hmm. Please have less picks. And they did it. Two, he only cost a late fourth rounder from the Emmanuel Sanders trade. Check. Three is for Pat. Four, A.J. Boye is 28, two years younger than Chris. Check. Five, he's got some versatility and he's a good tackler. Check. Six, he's better fit in Fangio's D than what Jacksonville had in his down season last year. Check. Seven is for John. He deserves it today. Eight, Boye is familiar with playing beside Kareem Jackson. They played four years together in Houston. Check. Nine, Denver was his preferred destination. He wants to be a Bronco. Drew Locke effect, baby. Check. And he said that he heard the Broncos were a possible destination for him. Mm -hmm. He started watching film. And not just defensive film, but he said he watched Drew as well. Um, and, and he liked what he saw. Obviously more impressed than uh, what he saw with what he saw from Flacco going head-to-head -head against Flacco in the offense back in week four. And probably more impressed than what he saw from Foles or Minshew last year. Ten, because the acquisition is a trade rather than a signing comp pick formula is unaffected check 11 this move frees up to let chris harris walk meaning we'll probably get a third or fourth round comp pick for him in 2021 check 12 now hear me out on this one mace aj Boye is a product of ucf knights football program all this team needs is more ucf representation isn't that right mace wrong <laughs> last thing sorry i've been long-winded today everyone is talking about how the usage of the san francisco fourth rounder improves the hall of the sanders trade but everyone is missing out on an important element there i know the rumblings or that the Broncos are still interested in re-signing Chris, but more than likely, Boye's arrival opens the door for Chris to leave. That triggers a decent comp pick coming our way in 2021. If we let Chris walk, then we would, ha would have had to uh, sign a Byron Jones or another expensive corner, and those signings would have had to, to offset in the comp pick formula. As it stands, we will now likely gain a third or fourth rounder for Chris. As I see it, here is the Sanders trade as we stand today. Broncos give up nine meaningless games of Emmanuel Sanders, who had become a locker room cancer, a fifth-round pick, and decreased odds that we re-signed Chris. What we received, two full seasons of A.J. Boye, a 2023rd rounder, and a 2021 third or fourth-round comp pick. Now that's good work done by John. All sunshine today in Broncos country. Really great a points of, all around. A lot of good points there. The only thing is, and I know you are in favor of consolidating picks especially on day three yes please i am of the belichick school that says the more picks you have the more possibilities you have and i'm not afraid to cut a draft pick if i have say two guys at a position and one is better than the other then i'll cut the guy who's the subpar player i think one of the things that the broncos get into in terms of their thought pattern 
with which I disagree is the fact that you say, okay, well, we have seven spots on the roster and thus we only want to make seven draft picks. I think that's going about the draft in a flawed, with a flawed methodology. I don't think you should be thinking about specific roster spots when you're making draft picks. And, say, and saying, well, this guy's on the roster. I think you accept that there's going to be competition, and if you have a robust competition, you can't keep everybody. Maybe it's a pick from a couple of years ago you're letting go. Maybe it's a, a, a pick from this year's draft that, you don't, that just doesn't pan out. But either way, I think the more picks you have, the more possibilities you have, obviously. It's the Belichick philosophy. It was the Jimmy Johnson philosophy back in the day in Dallas, and they had a lot of success with it. From Canadian Orange and Blue, I've seen multiple, multiple post-combine mock drafts having both lambs and rugs available at 15. Seems to be 50-50 on who the Broncos would take. Who would you guys take if both were available at 15? Keep up the great work. For rugs. me, that's easy. It would be rugs. Uh, not that I don't like CeeDee Lamb. I just like mm. rugs better. And I like Judy better than both of them. From Sir James Radio, yesterday's vicious and completely unsolicited attack on Chris Traeger was quite literally the most egregious thing I've ever heard. From Parks and Rec, he uses literally a lot. Remember? Oh, yes. How I have a problem with literally when it's not literal? Yes. I, I, I'm surprised you got that, and I didn't. Like, you don't want to hear me say, I literally am so angry when I hear literally used wrong that I literally want to take your television and throw it out the window. Oh, please don't do that. Exactly. I, I wouldn't do that to you. You literally wouldn't? I literally wouldn't. <laughs> I respect you too much. From Larry Den Jr. Hey, guys, sorry if my comment and question is long today, but I got to pay respect to Chris first. Dear Chris, a.k.a. Strap Harris, a.k.a. founder of the No Fly Zone, I'm a passionate person and I gravitate towards people that cultivate a passion in me. You made me proud to be a Broncos fan. From what me and my friends call the No Worries game, we were at the Chargers-Broncos game in 2012 when the Chargers were up 24-0 and fans all around us were ready to pack it up. But my buddy got a shirt that said, uh, we are the Broncos, and we ain't got hashtag no worries, a popular Little Wayne song at the time. Chris, we watched that game not knowing how we were going to win that game, but you pick-sixed Phillip Rivers, and things started to get real from that moment. Uh, I watched you closely be the beast you've become and went to war with people who would underrate you. I used to call your interceptions when I would go to games. My favorite one, the pick six on Derek Carr during our Super Bowl season. I stood up in the black hole, turned my back to the field, and said, I don't even need to watch this. It's about to be a pick six. Wow. Mm. And boom, to the crib you took it. Thank you for every last memory you've given me. I wish you well, Ring of Famer, hashtag Strap Harris. A nice tribute. Now to my question, he says. Everyone keeps saying, buckle up, so I'm going to put my seatbelt on. How does this reflect how we draft now? I think Prince of Mukamara is still a Bronco. I think Vic is serious about using six DBs more in this scheme. So is the draft about to be more O-line and wide receiver heavy with our first four picks in the top 100? What kind of draft outlook are we going to have? Uh, and are we mostly going defense and free agency? Yes, mostly defense and free agency. Also, do not be surprised to see if in among the first five picks for the Broncos, two receivers, two offensive linemen. One interior, one tackle. I would love that. You're drafting at where the strength of the of this year's draft is. Yeah. And it fills your needs. How have you ever seen a year in which the Broncos draft needs mesh with the depth of the draft so well? I no, haven't. I have not. All the years I've covered this team. It just worked out perfectly. So, you know, hey, the Broncos, they, they need a break. 
and they got it this year. Steve Atwater, Hall of Famer. Last one out of Jacksonville, turn out the lights. Stoked about the Boyer pickup. Do you think that there is still a chance that Calais Campbell is a cap casualty? There should be. I mean, wh- they're rebuilding. They're, I mean, they're waving a giant rebuilding flag. Why would they hold on to him? And yet they are insisting that they're going to tag Yannick Ngawe. Although I would imagine that's a sign and trade. Or tag and trade, I should say. Hmm. That'd be interesting. Potentially. Also, because he doesn't want to be there, and he's said as much, and he's put out on Twitter th- his message thanking the fans, but saying, hey, he's got to move on from Jacksonville. Also, do you see Chris T- Jones as a tag and trade situation? No. If, if not, do you think he'll actually play on the franchise tag given his holdout last year? I'm counting down the days to March 18th. Watch what happens when, if and when the new CBA is passed. If it's ratified by the players over the next couple of weeks, I think then you that would lead to some movement on Chris Jones. They may tag him, but then they get a long-term deal done at some point in the next two to three months and kick the can down there. There's going to be some can kicking going on with the Chiefs this year in terms of how they structure things. Yeah. From the Danimal. Afternoon, gents. Happy Wednesday. Ryan, you hit the nail on the head with your tweet about CHJ this morning. I had the exact same thought yesterday when the alert about the trade hit my phone, but it was too late to comment. Chris has been an awesome Bronco, deserves a ton of credit for our Super Bowl 50 run, and is a future Ring of Famer. That being said, his public discourse this last year has not been a reasonable way to treat a team that has been so good to him. Even if Elway took care of Chris when the pay raise last year, uh, with no strings attached, Chris chose to gamble on himself by pounding his chest about being an outside corner and taking on number one wide receivers. He lost that bet plain and simple. That was not the number one boundary corner performance. When a team gives you a pay raise for nothing in return and you fail to live up to your own billing, the options are either accept a reasonable contract for a slot corner or move on with some dignity. The tweet about the Chiefs calling him petty is the only thing damaging his, uh, is, is petty and, is, and he's only damaging his Im- image. I still love CHJ and he will always have a home in Denver, but I'm ecstatic over the trade. Have a great day, Danimal. I will say this as far as being that lockdown number one cornerback it doesn't mean that they're going to win every one-on-one match. And take, for example, late in the Colts game when he gets beaten after Jacoby Brissett gets outside of containment and gets past Vaughn Miller. People are like, oh, that's on Chris. But sometimes it's a great play by the other team as well. And even great cornerbacks are going to give that up. I don't think Chris Harris Jr. was had a performance that was as bad as maybe some of the worst moments would indicate, at least in terms of the aggregate. But he was under, he he did put himself under the microscope by wanting to be the number one guy. Absolutely. And he kind of danced around that at the end of the year and said he belongs in the slot without Mm -hmm. ever acknowledging the fact that he was the one who wanted to play outside. Yeah. But in the end, I think everyone has a ton of respect for Chris Harris Jr. and his career in Denver. Uh, I wish he would handle things a little differently on the way out, but we kind of talked about it. That's who he is. He's a guy who has a chip on his shoulder and needs mm-hmm. to find new little things to kind of make a target for him, and, and I respect that about him because it's part of what makes him great. Very true. Denver Rubber Company is your most reliable option for any custom projects you have involving rubber, especially it has to do with snow plows. Hopefully we're on the outside of snow season, but we know we are not quite out of it yet, or at least we assume we're not quite out of it yet. Denver Rubber Company is your go-to for anything that involves custom rubber. 
Um, so make sure you check them out. They are a longtime DNVR partner. They support us, so we should support them. But for now, it's going to wrap it up for us on a quick version of the DNVR Broncos podcast today. I'm sure it will be um, an anomaly, and we'll be back with you tomorrow on the DNVR Broncos podcast. It's getting me down.